think I'm on. Yes, I'm on. Oh, what an awesome God we have. Holy God who says, okay, saints, gather around. You're the saints, right? And we say, who, me? <laughs> because uh, we know God is holy, but there are a lot of times when I'm not so holy. <laughs> but in Christ Jesus, I am holy. In Christ Jesus, I am holy. Uh, I am a veteran. How many of you are veterans? Raise your hands. Now you can see. I want to see how many brothers and sisters I got in here. Okay. All right. When I was up uh, north in Grayling, we had a couple that were still active in the military. And, uh, and they asked, could we uh, do a special recognition of our veterans? And I said, sure. And man, it was fantastic. They, they did a slideshow. They, they uh, brought in the colors. They marched in. And uh, it, was, it was an awesome time. It was, it was touching. And, uh, and many of them wore uniforms. So it was uh, much easier that day to point out a brother or sister uh, who was serving in our, in our military. I want to just uh, pray for a moment for, for my brothers and sisters and Father, we thank you for these veterans. We thank you for those who are on active duty protecting our country. And Lord, there's a heaviness about my heart because of the direction I sense our nation is going. And so I want to just remind you that when you enter into the building and you see the flags as you enter the sanctuary, would you please remember that your nation needs your prayers and that your church needs your prayers. We don't place one flag above another. And in here, our focus is the worship of our God and our great Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross that we might be set free to live our lives for God and others. Lord, uh, you are an amazing God. Thank you for calling us out of the busyness of our own lives today and to bring us here so that we could pay attention to you, to your word and to your spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless our veterans. And, Lord, would you especially be close to all of those families whose sons and daughters paid the ultimate price.
let this be a solemn moment in praise to you, God, for those who are willing to be courageous and fight for freedom and country and for being able to worship you without interference from government. So bless this day. And bless us as we are here together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you so much for, for that. Uh, I have to admit, I had a challenging time uh, preparing this message. And I thought I had it. And yesterday the Lord said I needed to make some changes and some revisions. Hate it when he does that. But I also know it's always better if I follow through. Uh, so let's begin with some of the things that we already know. And that is that Jesus has given his church a universal mission. It is worldwide. And it is what we call the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28, 20 and following where Jesus tells his disciples after his resurrection, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Wow. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit our triune God, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus taught many things, but he basically only gave three commands. There are three commands. Love God with all your being, with all you got. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then later in John's gospel, he says, love each other as I have loved you. All comes down to being a loving person. And there are times when that's difficult too, isn't it? I mean, there are times when we'd like to smack people a little bit in Christian love. <laughs> But that doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. The Bible tells us, my friends, that every believer, and that means you and me, every believer is a part of or makes up the body of Christ. And there are two aspects to the body of Christ. It is both worldwide and therefore much bigger uh, than you think. And it is local in nature. Here at Brown Corners Church, we are believers. We as believers make up this local body of church of Christ and God's plan for us is to be involved in what Jesus as the Lord of his church wants to be doing in reaching the lost, teaching them what Jesus taught us and helping them become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. 
That's what we are about. As a local church, we are, as the Apostle Paul calls us, the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Jesus is the head. He is Lord of his church. And we make up the various parts of the body. As believers, we have each been given talents and abilities and spiritual gifts from God that enable us to accomplish his purposes in fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given us. Every believer, please get this, every believer is vital and important to the mission. We all have a part to play in what God wants to accomplish through us and the various ministries he wants us to be involved in. For too long, ministry has been seen as the property of the professionals, those who are up front. That is not what Jesus intended or what was taught by the first century church as seen in the book of Acts and the writings of Paul and Peter and John and others. As a result of centuries of church history and teaching, the average garden variety believer has been admonished to think of themselves as being a good Christian if they come to church whenever the doors are open for worship, Bible study, prayer, and faithfully give their tithe and offerings to support the church budget. You're doing all that, you're a good Christian, right? <laughs> well, hang on. Most of us has grown, have grown up and been a part of churches where we learned that what happened up front is what's important. And leadership happens when the pastor or other important people stand up here and tell the church, this is what we're going to do in the future. We have accepted a top-down model borrowed from the business world that just doesn't work that well for a church that desires to be in ministry for Christ in our world. Ministry is defined as meeting the needs of those around us, meeting the needs of those around us, and sharing with them the good news of the gospel. It says God has an incredible love for them. He wants them to be able to come home to him and be a part of his forever family through faith in all that Jesus has done for us through his death on the cross and in his resurrection from death and the grave. And today I want us to embark upon a very short journey that may challenge the way that you think and I think about church. And our goal is to understand eight quality characteristics that make for a healthy church. I will be sharing with you universal characteristics, universal characteristics discovered and defined by Natural Church Development, NCD. Now, NCD has done research 
on 70,000 churches in 86 countries around the world to discover and refine church growth principles that are universal in their application and found to be effective regardless of size, denomination, or theological persuasion. No other research project has been done like this, and you, and you might know it was done by a German by the name of Christian Schwartz. <laughs> In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, my friends, it seemed to me that many churches began to question the effectiveness of the church in reaching and changing the people in our communities. And a lot of churches kind of went inward at that time, just kind of focused on themselves and um, sometimes even developed a fortress mentality of said, well, we're gonna come in here and we're gonna be safe. We're gonna lock and bar the doors and hope the world goes by and doesn't bother us. <laughs> and for the most part, the world didn't go by and didn't bother us. Some, after taking an honest look at themselves, found that they were declining in their membership and in danger of closing their doors. Thousands of churches, my friends, across our nation have closed in this last year. And many others are wondering if they should reopen. Others are stagnant and accomplishing little for the kingdom of God. Pastors are discouraged, and many have left the ministry. It is a hard day, in a sense. But here we are. And maybe God has raised us up and brought us together for this moment, for a moment like this, to begin to be the church Jesus wants us to be. Where is the passion of the people of God for God and the growth of his kingdom? Where is that passion? Are we being biblical in our, our approach? How serious are we about Jesus' teachings so his church can follow his example and do things his way? Is it possible to revitalize or energize his people so they can make a positive difference for his kingdom and in the community where they live? Oh, my friends, I certainly believe so. A few Sundays ago, I mentioned that ministry doesn't belong to the professional. It belongs to all of God's people working together to accomplish his purposes. We know people make up the church. I think we know that. It's not a, it's not a building. This is where we come to worship and praise and learn and then go out into the world to touch people. We come here to praise God 
of what he's been doing and look forward to what he is going to do. So people make up the church, but a lot of times people are wondering, what am I to do? What am I to do? How am I to serve? Listen closely to what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. I've alluded to this before, but again, this is an important passage. Paul has been talking about God giving gifts to the church, and some of those gifts were apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers to equip the people of God for ministry. And then he goes on to say, we need to grow up in the Lord and and be mature in the Lord. And then he says, and then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We're going to grow up into him from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, you and me, does its work. The church, the kingdom, the body of Christ grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. My friends, that means that each of us is equipped and empowered by God to do what he wants done. If you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you have a contribution to make that is vitally important to the mission and the growth of his church, the people of God. God wants to see more people here. God wants to see more people here. Do we? What are the quality characteristics? You've been dying to ask this question. What are the quality characteristics and biblical principles that make for a healthy, growing church? This is where it gets a little tough. The first one, you can jot it down if you really want to. But the first one is empowering leadership. Empowering leadership. The second one is gift-oriented ministry. Ministry that people begin because they have a gift and a passion and a calling from God to do a specific thing. Sometimes ministry occurs here, inside the building. Teachers, uh, our worship team, the pastor, and so forth. Um, But gift-oriented ministry. You have a a gift-oriented ministry that's been started 
uh, and I've been hearing about it from Anna, <laughs> and you have too. Get involved in, in serving your community in the marathon. A neat idea. The third one is passionate spirituality. What does that mean? It really means, are you passionate about your relationship with God? Do you want to know more about him so you read the scriptures and you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, reveal yourself to me more fully. That's passionate spirituality. Number four is functional structures. This is another one of those hard ones because the question that's being asked is, is the way we are organized, is the way we set up our policies and procedures, are those things helping ministry? Or do they get in the way sometimes? And it's hard, it's hard on people to evaluate those things sometimes. But functional structures, inspiring worship. Ah, we're doing good there. I love coming here, and I love the worship, the worship team, because it draws me in. It, it just draws me in to that presence of God, and I know he is here for me and for you. Holistic small groups is number six. Small groups that are holistic in nature. And I'll just, I'll kind of flesh some of these things out in the next message, but number seven is need-oriented evangelism. Need-oriented evangelism. What do the people need around you that you can help provide, and as you're providing it, Gain, uh, gain their trust and the ability then to say a word for Christ. And number eight, loving relationships. This is a loving place. We can all grow in that, but this is a loving place. Those are the eight quality characteristics of a healthy and growing churches, growing church. And it has been seen and demonstrated in churches around the world. So in Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 20. And the mothers of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. That would be James and John, if you want to know came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it that you want, he said. And he said, she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? Can you drink the cup I am going to drink. Wow. 
What was that cup? What was the cup that he asked his father, Lord, will you take this away in the garden, remember? Lord, take this cup from me if it's possible at all. What was the cup? It was the cup of God's wrath that would be poured out upon his son and he would suffer horrendously. Lord, Father, if there's another way, can you drink that same cup, Jesus asked of his disciples. And they said, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. Every one of the apostles gave their lives for Christ. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Now when the ten heard about this, they were indignant. Well, the nerve of those guys. You can especially hear Peter who would say, I'm the best apostle here because I'm the only one that got out of the boat and walked on water. John probably said, yeah, but I'm always closest to Jesus. But they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, and this is what I want you to hear above everything else. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Empowering leadership. Note that it says empowering leadership and not empowered leadership. There is a significant difference between the two. And Jesus told his disciples that his church was not to function in the same way the world does. As is typical of Jesus' teachings, he turns everything upside down, or as I like to say, right side up. His church is to function in a way that is different from the way the world systems work. It's also important to note Jesus' emphasis to his disciples about being servants to others rather than exercising authority over them. We are not to try and control God's people. I've often had people in, in my churches come and say, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? And my answer to them has always been, you will need to check with the Lord to know what it is he wants you to do. I do not have the right to tell you what you must do. 
if I see you in living in sin, I have a right to approach you and say, I think you're headed in the wrong direction, my friend. And God is not happy, but he has made a way for you to return. Jesus is the Lord of his church. And Jesus is capable of letting his people know what he wants done through his Holy Spirit and the word of God. If we believe in the priesthood of all believers, have you ever heard of that? If you believe in the priesthood of all believers and our direct access to God, we know that he is the director of the orchestra. What then is the function of leadership, you might ask? Well, NCB has defined or explained empowering leadership as God's better way for growing and expanding his kingdom in our culture. And by the way, I believe that our culture even though we are so advanced technologically and everything else. But I believe our culture is very, very close to the culture of the first century. They detested Rome, the tax collectors. We don't like Washington, and we certainly don't like the IRS. Things are, are a mess, and we wonder. So let me share a couple of quotes that may help. Leaders of growing churches concentrate on empowering other Christians for ministry. They do not use lay workers as helpers in attaining their own goals or fulfilling their own vision. Rather, they, are, they invert the pyramid of authority so that the leader assists Christians to attain the spiritual potential God has for them. God has a spiritual potential for you, and he wants you to arrive at that. And biblical leadership is here to help you accomplish that for yourself. They go on to say these pastors are, and leaders equip, support, motivate, and mentor individuals, enable them to become all God wants them to be. How does that work itself out in the local congregation? Rather than leaders handling the bulk of church responsibilities all on their own, and then complaining about the 90-10 rule that is so often played out in our churches today. By the way, the 90-10 rule says 90% of all the work of the church is being done by 10% of the people. So instead of doing that, biblical leaders will invest, invest the majority of their time in discipleship, delegation, and multiplication. Thus, the energy they expend can be multiplied indefinitely. It is important to realize here that God's energy through his Holy Spirit and not human effort and pressure 
is being released to put the church in motion. Although this may sound like a new paradigm, I would suggest that it is more of a rediscovery of an old paradigm that worked very well as seen in the New Testament in the book of Acts. What this paradigm does, and a paradigm is a way, it's just a fancy way of saying the way things are done. What this paradigm holds as important is the conviction that God sovereignly determines which Christians should best assume which ministries because he has gifted and resourced them to do so. The role of church leadership is to help its members identify their gifts and integrate them into appropriate ministries. When Christians serve in their area of giftedness, they generally function less in their own strength and a great deal more under the power of the Holy Spirit. It is important for Jesus' church to be organized for effective ministry. And good leadership is always needed. The question is, are we being biblical in our approach? And are we serious about what Jesus taught? So his church can follow his example and function as he planned. I truly believe it is possible for any church to change and be effective for Christ in building up the body of Christ and expanding the kingdom of God. But it requires a fresh look at scripture so that we can be clear about what God is up to and what God wants to do and acknowledge the Holy Spirit's role in how we are to function in carrying out his plans and purposes. His plans and purposes. Today, thousands of churches across Europe, Asia, Asia and the Americas are being encouraged to think differently about the church by natural church development, which says when these eight quality characteristics are in place, your church will grow automatically. Because the emphasis is upon you experiencing all that God has planned for your involvement as a partner with him in expanding his kingdom in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls everywhere. It is my belief that when church is done right, it will be fun and joyful. If it isn't, we're doing something wrong. Please note that I didn't say it would be easy or that there wouldn't be difficulties. But if God is with us, and he says he is, then joy will be in our hearts like it was for Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 16 through 40. And you might want to take some time today, jot that passage down, take some time today to read their story because they're in prison singing. Empowering leadership helps every believer 
take on the characteristics of Jesus as expressed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Where against such things there is no law. It is the work of God within every believer. The secondary function of servant leaders is for believers to be involved in helping God fulfill his greatest desire for the lost to be found and for them to be a part, become a part of his family and play their role in the great plan that God has for redeeming all things through Christ. You, my friends, are important and have a vital role to play in accomplishing God's purposes here and empowering leadership is here to help you do what God wants you to be doing. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us with some of these concepts that they're not always easy to grasp. And certainly empowering leadership doesn't always fit with what we have learned about being in charge and having control. And Lord, you said, not so among you, not so in my family. Be servants to one another. Love one another. Love God and your neighbor. And so make an impact upon your world the place where you have a sphere of influence. And Lord, would you dismiss us with your peace, with your blessing. And Lord, would you be with families who have lost loved ones, And Lord, I've heard of so many churches today where people are getting COVID. Doesn't matter if they've been vaccinated or not. And there are many, there are many nurses and professionals in the health field that are having the so-called breakthrough infections. Lord, our world needs you, we need, we need Jesus, we need the healer, we need the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth to come and be amongst us, to walk with us, and to help us impact our world for God's kingdom. And all, all the people said, amen. God bless you. Have a good week.